1: Welcome back to Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Scalina, And I'm your other host, Matt Scalina. And Matt, today we've got Joseph Philippowitz. He's the Senior Policy Analyst and the Center for Municipal Studies at the Fraser Institute.
2: Yeah, this was a fascinating talk. But yeah. uh, but before we get to Joseph, what's new with you, Adam?
1: Not a lot is new with me. I was just telling you guys, actually, I just had a, a bite to eat at uh, Sai Wu in uh, Chinatown. Uh, pretty good meal. But yeah. uh, I'm really actually, I, I really like the North Main restaurants right now the restaurant scene is uh seems to be booming Lots of place yeah lots of great restaurants over there um but uh we were actually it's funny i was telling Braden this last week but 90s uh, i know 90s is back but now it's like a a really really specific version of the 90s is back with um, i'm not millennials the young what what
3: what what are you talking about
1: no like uh there was there was this couple at siwoo who uh we were just noticing i mean i guess they like meanwhile, we were the uncoolest people in the in the restaurant. But Stop. these, the okay, cool, true. The, yeah. go, go on, go on. <laughs> um, so these people, they, it was like the guy was dressed like like Ross from Friends, uh, and, uh, and really? the really yeah, and the and the the girl was dressed like Blossom. Like it was like it was like you're two. It, it was. And, <laughs> I feel like neither of those people were cool in the '90s, even. But the guy was wearing overalls, which are back. Uh, oh, one, in a big way. One yeah. strap down what? too. My neighbor loves overalls. I you're, thought it was a joke how have at first. I not see uh, this. I yeah. You're not, see- you're I not have going not... to the coolest restaurants. No kidding. But I I felt <laughs> I felt old. And I felt uh, like also the Dairy
2: Queen on East Hastings <laughs> closer to the PE. That's where I've been hanging. But
1: I remember when gone. we were <laughs> yeah. uh, that's, that's gone, Matt. Oh
2: yeah, yeah, it is gone. Actually, you're right. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, but it, it's funny because I remember when we were, you know, when we were kids and we had big pants and skateboards and and all the other thing. I remember people saying, "Oh yeah, you know, like that was horrible in my day. I can't believe you guys are, yeah. are bringing this back." Now yeah. I feel like that. Like I'm at that age where I'm looking back and going god overalls it's were horrible a, it's amazing when yeah we that they've taken taking the worst parts yeah so anyways it, it looks like the 90s are back but you already knew that matt you're doing a pretty good screech from <laughs> <by the> bell. <laughs> <laughs> oh go on uh anyways uh why don't we uh, just kidding you're your ac slater um why don't we cut to our interview with uh, joseph phillip yeah it's a good one guys enjoy Okay, so we're here with Joseph Philippowitz, Senior Policy Analyst at the Fraser Institute. How are you doing, Joseph? I'm doing great. Hi, Adam. Hi, Matt. Hey, Joseph. Thanks for taking the time today.
3: Well, thanks for having me on the show.
1: So, um, Joseph, can you maybe just start by telling our listeners a little bit about yourself?
3: Uh, Sure, no problem. I'm a a Senior Policy Analyst at the Fraser Institute, um, and I, I work in the... Uh, center for Municipal Policy. So that's basically a, a new center that we've created over the past few years that really focuses on on local governments, which is you know an area that we've worked on in the past. In fact, the first thing the institute ever published was a book on rent control. So so there's been work on this, uh, you know, on housing and on municipal issues for for years, but it's never really been dedicated to its own center. So for the last uh, few years, I've been I've been working through uh, how to how to build this center up with my colleagues.
2: And Joseph, it sounds like you've been in Vancouver about three and a half years. Where were yep. you before that?
3: So I'm originally from Ontario. I spent some time in Toronto. I'm from Kitchener, actually. But uh, yeah, I did spend some time uh, both studying and working in uh, in Toronto. Wow. Do you still play hockey? <laughs> I never played hockey, unfortunately. Oh, really? I was wow. always a soccer guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <I'm surprised. laughs> but I do like watching hockey.
1: Okay. Um, so you recently published Room to Grow, Comparing Urban Density in Canada and Abroad. What interested you in this subject?
3: Well, it's a, it's a great question. And, and as you know, uh, cities like Vancouver and Toronto are growing. Um, and so as they continue to grow, they face pressure to increase population density. So that's, that's people per square kilometer. So it just made sense uh, to, to sort of get a lay of the land, right? How dense are our cities, especially our most desirable cities? Um, and how do they stack up versus other peers, be it in North America or elsewhere in the world? Uh, so in our study, we compare population density in, in large Canadian cities with these international peers like San Francisco, like New York. Uh, Uh, like in in Chicago, and what we find is that Canadian cities, in fact, aren't all that dense.
2: Yeah, which would be uh, a surprising finding to a lot of people in in Vancouver, or at least a lot of people that travel in the viaducts.
3: Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, uh, Vancouver is, uh, of all of Canada's cities, it's the, the, the most dense of all the, the large cities. Um, you know, at about, uh, I think it's about 5,500 people per square kilometre. Um, so by Canadian standards, that's quite high. But when you sort of zoom out and uh, and look at the rest of the world, even, even on our own coast here, if you look at places like San Francisco... Um, they're about 30% denser. So it's interesting to see that our cities really aren't all that dense. So in a context of, you know, pressures to grow, there's certainly room to do that if that's what Vancouverites want.
2: Can Can you just unpack kind of the, the go through the study a little bit in terms of, of how you approached the subject?
3: Yeah, so... In order to kind of keep things uh, sort of comparable, what we wanted to do was, uh, was look at, first off, cities that are comparable with uh, Canadian cities. So when I say that, I mean uh, they're from countries with high incomes, right? So we want to make sure that we keep, uh, you know, within a certain context of living standards, we want to have cities that are broadly comparable. Uh, and so we have 30 cities. All from uh, the the World Bank's high-income classification, right? So these are countries that that have high incomes. Uh, We also wanted to to ensure that we're comparing cities that are fully urbanized, right? So a lot of cities, uh, I know you two are from Winnipeg, have a lot of farmland within municipal limits. So what that would do, if you want to calculate population density, is actually depress the average right so if you if you take the total land area and the the total population and you, you divide the population by number of square kilometers you get a number that's actually lower than what it actually is within the city's real urban footprint um, with cities like Winnipeg cities like Ottawa right so what we wanted to do was was uh, really compare fully urbanized municipalities so that's cities that are built up all the way to the to the end of uh, you know city limits uh, so that we can actually get an idea of, of how uh, how uh, uh, dense these places actually are um, especially the, the places where people live not the farm fields that are within city limits so um we, we did that, and we also tried to compare uh, cities that were similar in their land area, right? So I mentioned San Francisco earlier. Um, San Francisco and Vancouver are both about 100, 110 to 120 square kilometers. So they, they share a similar footprint, and they're fully built up within that footprint. Um, San Francisco is also comparable to Vancouver because it's a peninsula, so it's got geographical constraints in, in the same way Vancouver does. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's on the West Coast. I think Vancouverites can probably relate to San Francisco more than they could relate to places you know like hong kong so um so we try to focus on on comparing like with like
2: right and barcelona also was a city that that you used as well
3: yeah, because Barcelona is also uh, similar. It's about 101 square kilometers. So, so these are all the all three of these cities are, are quite comparable uh, geographically. And yet, um, you know, San Francisco has has about 140,000 more people than Vancouver. Uh, so that's like if you took the population of Coquitlam, uh, air dropped it into Vancouver, and and that's that's San Francisco. And then Barcelona, um, Barcelona is in fact a lot more populous than, than either of them, it's got about 1.6 million people, so it's about three times as dense, if not more, than, uh, than Vancouver. Um, and yet you know that's that's another example of a city that's that's highly desirable by a whole number of uh, of of metrics so depending on what people want um, I think that the real takeaway here is that if cities like Vancouver want to keep growing, if we want more housing units, um, especially in a context of you know tight rental markets uh tight tight markets for purchasing homes, um, there's plenty of room to grow
2: right and one of the things that struck me and i guess is this maybe a just an assumption of people, but is the idea that the more dense a city gets, the standard of living goes down, right? Is that, is that just a common assumption? Because you kind of take that apart in your analysis. But yeah, can you just speak to that a bit?
3: Sure. Well, it, it's a natural follow-up, right? I mean, density is this kind of thing that that happens in many different ways in many different places. And I think different people have have Obviously, different perceptions on what that might actually look like, right how how density might manifest itself, uh, and some might be worried about whether that's a, a good a bad thing or, or some might think it's a good thing for the communities and really, what we wanted to show here is that it's really not related with living standards right. at the end of the day, it's what people value, but just to answer the natural follow up well, if more density is coming to my community, will that somehow harm my standard of living it doesn 't really bear out. What we see is that there's no strong connection between the two um, you know it's It's preliminary because there's many ways to to sort of measure things like livability. Uh, we just took one measure, which is the the mercer ranking it's probably the best known ranking of livability um, out there it's a consulting firm, and uh yeah it, it just looks like there's not much of a connection because cities of similar density uh, as we see it. Um, have, you know, ranked very differently on livability. Um, Montreal and and Singapore, for example, are very similar when it comes to to livability. Um, And that includes a whole host of factors, like how stable it is, you know, how safe it is, how good the infrastructure is to get in and out of town, et cetera. And and yeah, they rank very similarly, but Singapore is more than twice as dense as Montreal. So, uh, you know, I think a lot of it is about what people in those particular communities value.
2: Right. Do you? This is outside your study, but and just basically thinking out loud here. Do you see a lot of the assumptions about density? Are they generational?
3: You know, that's a really good question, um, and and I think you know, even though I I can't speak for an entire generation, what I can say um, is that. The uh, the Toronto Board of Trade recently uh, put together a survey of of uh, young professionals. I think that's eighteen to thirty nine year olds who are working in the city of Toronto, um, and the vast majority of them wanted more density. and And you know, some of them it's because they like the tight urban setting, but other ones it's just because they want a place to live. And if density right. is the only way that cities like like Toronto and Vancouver can grow, they're more than happy to have more density if it means they can actually afford a place.
2: Right. It's, it seems to me at least, you know, Adam and I are both real estate agents. We work with people in Vancouver and, and people that are kind of at least 35 and and younger and, and a lot of people older as well, including downsizers are all kind of interested in being in the city center where, you know, you don't need a car and you can, you know, walk basically to get all your needs taken care of.
3: That's a really good point. And you mentioned downsizers. I mean, the, uh, uh, American Association of Retired Persons, they have their own definition of, of livability and they, they actually push for density in, in the, their reports because they know that a lot of people um, you know, that, that, that they speak to would actually prefer living somewhere where they can walk to the grocery store. They don't need a car because, you know what, as you get, as you get older, your, your mobility is restricted, you might not be able to drive. So, you know, as people age, a lot of them might choose uh, to be closer to the amenities that they value.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point. So in in talking about some of the things that we gain with density, what are some of the things that we might lose with increased density in Vancouver?
3: That's also a good point. And you know what, that's that's ultimately up to the people who are living there. Um, you know, if, if people are used to a certain lifestyle and, and they they want to keep that lifestyle, then, you know, that's their decision and they have to express that, you know, democratically through their elected officials. And then usually that, that reflects in, in in policies. The only thing... I would say to that is uh, you know if if certain communities are becoming less affordable over time even if one values one's neighborhood that neighborhood will change anyways even if it doesn't hasn't physically changed uh, I mean if people can't live there then then certainly the dynamic of that neighborhood will change regardless of its physical form.
2: Right this reminds me of I was at a an old Italian coffee shop in my neighborhood I moved there 6 months ago and the guy that nice. Sort, which sort, neighborhood? Uh, over in Grandview, but it was just on the Naimo at um, Ren, Renzulo's. Uh, uh, yeah. Near you know near Commercial Drive there, and anyway, he was saying, "Oh yeah, I've been here since you know '65. The neighborhood hasn't changed a bit." And I'm thinking, well, <laughs> you don't know what I paid for my house, or maybe you do, but yeah. this definitely changes <laughs> the dynamic of uh, of the neighborhood. That's for sure. Uh,
3: yeah, maybe he doesn't look at his
1: property assessment. Who knows? <laughs> 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 um so so another question for you, uh Joseph. Um yes. what what do your findings suggest for Vancouver moving forward?
3: Well, really, I mean I I knew this was a dense city by Canadian standards. I, I really wasn't sure how it stacked up against international peers, but what's so interesting is that the of the Canadian cities we include, almost all of them are in the bottom half of this 30 city ranking and and Vancouver is thirteenth. So I just it's just incredible to see how much room there is for a city like Vancouver to grow. In fact, the former city of Toronto, um, for the listeners who may not know, in 1998, uh, Toronto was actually six cities that amalgamated. Um, So if you look at the former city of Toronto, which is now basically its downtown core, it was roughly the size of what the city of Vancouver is today, about 100 square kilometres. And um, back in 2001, it had almost 7,000 people per square kilometre. So uh, I think that if back in 2001, a city like like the former city of Toronto, was more dense than Vancouver. It's now probably certainly more dense than Vancouver. So so, so a city like Vancouver um, might seem dense, but really when you start stacking it up not only to other cities but also what would have otherwise been uh, a standalone municipality in Canada, Toronto, it's actually really not that dense, and there's plenty of room to grow. We all know... The towers downtown, uh, you know, we, we know Yale Town, Coal Harbour, etc. Um, but really, you have this island of density surrounded by a whole bunch of single detached homes.
2: Right. And we were just speaking to uh, a local developer the other day who was talking about how underbuilt the West End is. And oh, yeah. And it's just shocking, right? So, um, so Joseph, you spent a lot of time looking at um, Canadian cities um, in the in a more global context context just uh, I'm wondering what you think Vancouver is going to look like, say in 10, 30, 50 years from now.
3: You know, I don't know. That's a, that's a good question. I don't, I don't have a crystal ball. I know that there's certainly pressure for the city to grow. I mean, cities like Toronto and Vancouver are growing. There's certainly demand to live here, be it by people who want to work here, you know, uh, by people who want to retire here, etc. Um, and that demand's probably not going anywhere anytime soon. I mean, for most of, of human history, people have converged on cities for, for all the opportunity that right. they have. So um, I don't see that changing, uh, especially if, if if our cities are geographically constrained, that growth will continue, which means there's going to be pressure to grow upwards. So it's ultimately up to Vancouverites. Do they want their community to grow? And if they do, there's plenty of room for it to happen upwards. And so I think that City Hall has been sort of making noise to that in recent months. So they might actually be be moving towards more density. Um, And and what that density is going to look like ultimately is up to, you know, local elected officials, city staff, and the home builders who ultimately build uh, our city. So it'll be interesting to see how Vancouver does its own density, because every city does density differently.
2: Maybe just to finish up, Joseph, I saw your, I think you were picked up by the Vancouver Sun and and yep. a, a realtor that we work with shared the article. This was okay. maybe a month or so ago and and he got a lot of comments on it. And one particular commenter said, oh, you know, the Fraser Institute, this is a bias source, etc. Just wondering, and this is more generally speaking, not even about necessarily your, your work, but how do you respond to those people out here that see the Fraser Institute as somehow, you know, in the can for a certain way of thinking?
3: <laughs> well I, I you know I I'm an independent researcher so I I just look at the data see what it says in this case i used all um uh data from uh national uh statistical sources so like right. sats can for our canadian cities and then for all the other countries i use their respective statistical agencies so i i, I think the numbers don't lie yeah. um you know right. people can say what they want but at the end of the day we uh we just try to to do research using the best data possible
2: right and and i i've been through this and you're yeah obviously it's a very well sourced and, and
1: super interesting piece I got uh, one more question for you, Joseph. I was yeah. just, were there any real surprises that came out maybe in some of the other cities you were looking at in terms of uh, where has like the most room to grow or or any, any cities that you see kind of a, a potential in terms of needing space?
3: Yeah, for sure. Um, I think the other big takeaway is Toronto, which, um, as you know, is facing similar pressures as Vancouver. So... Toronto is about 2.6 million people uh, and uh, so does Chicago, so does Brooklyn um, in in New York. And what's interesting especially about the Brooklyn scenario is that even though it's got the same population it takes up about a third of the landmass that Toronto takes and and Brooklyn I'm, I'm not sure if you've been um, is not traditionally associated with huge skyscrapers or or condo towers that were everywhere. In fact, it's better associated with the kind of classic brownstone walk-ups and and uh, townhomes. So Density, it can manifest itself in a whole host of different ways, and, uh, and it's really interesting to see that even a place like, uh, like Brooklyn might have the type of density that's spread out across the city instead of concentrated in this or that area. So really, if people have preconceived notions of what density is, um, there's so many ways for it to happen if people want it.
1: Right. Yeah, fascinating. Yeah. Matt Matt was a former uh, Brooklyn brownstoner. I, I did live in a Brooklyn oh, yeah? brownstone at one yeah. point, uh, yeah, awesome. many moons ago, but uh, during his hippie years. But yeah.
3: uh, <laughs>
2: it was a groovier era. <laughs> uh,
3: was it uh, enjoyable? <laughs> yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah, no, it was amazing. Actually, we we lived in the on the top floor of a of a brownstone in, in Bedford Stuyvesant for wow. a couple of years, and it was uh, yeah, it was an experience.
3: That's a great area. Yeah, that's a, that's a that's an incredibly unique and distinctly Brooklyn way of uh, of of living. So. Yeah, yeah, No
2: kidding. No <laughs> kidding. It's a lot yeah. of
1: stories, but we'll save those for next time. So, Joseph, uh, we do have this segment called the Five Wire. Can you stick around for that? Sure, can. Excellent. So, favorite neighborhood in Vancouver?
3: That's a that's a really good question. So, I I live in Kits. I really like Kits. Um, you know, I I maybe I'm not the traditional go-to-yoga-every-day type of Kitsilano person, but there's a few good spots that I like, and uh, so I, I, enjoy, I enjoy being able to walk wherever I want to go and then have all my amenities nearby.
2: Right Perfect. on. Uh, favorite bar or restaurant?
3: Um, I would have to say uh, Salade de Free. It's a French restaurant in the French Cultural Center on, on 7th Avenue. You're the um, second
2: person that has said that restaurant. Really? Actually, Francis Bula, I think,
3: said. Well, Was the value is incredible. Bula? Uh, You get an incredible meal for good value. And I'm not paid to say this.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Go to your affiliate site. Uh, (laughs) um, Okay, and uh, question three, downtown penthouse or Westside Mansion?
3: I'd be a downtown penthouse kind of guy. I mean, my personal preference is is having all of the city's amenities near me. Uh, you know, if I want to go to the museum, if I want to go uh, to, to an art gallery or to a cafe or whatever, having that stuff nearby um, is is a lot more convenient for me than having to, you know, walk or drive far to get it, to it. Right, right. Uh, where do you bring somebody from out of town in the first place? That's also a really good question. Uh, you know what, there's great Breweries out on uh, you know, around commercial drive. So I think that Vancouver's uh, brewery scene is is on par, if not better than Portland's preaching to the choir. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of fist pumping here. <laughs> uh, and last,
2: uh, we know you're from Ontario, and we also know you're a soccer guy, Vancouver Whitecaps or Toronto FC.
3: I have to say, Toronto FC there. Oh, than him. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys, Uh-oh. but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm loyal.
1: The audience just turned. Oh, God, uh, I can hear them in the uh, supporter
3: section. Maybe uh, I should have evaded the question, but you know what? I'm a, I'm a diehard fan. So. Stand <laughs> so, tall, stand tall. <laughs> so, so,
1: Joseph, how can people find out more about the Fraser Institute and also about your research in particular?
3: Well, all of our research is uh, available for free at uh, FraserInstitute.org. So uh, they're more than welcome to go there. If they click on our uh, municipal work, that's where most of my uh, work is. But um, everything that we do is uh, it's freely accessible to the public.
1: Excellent.
2: Fantastic. Well, well, thanks so much for taking the time, Joseph. That was,
1: that was fantastic.
3: Great. Well, thanks, Adam. Thanks, Matt. All, all right. right. Take, Take care.
1: care. <laughs>
2: So there you have it, folks, our discussion with Joseph Philippowitz, Senior Policy Analyst at the Fraser Institute.
1: Super bright guy and uh, really fascinating research. Really a pleasure to have him on the show. Yeah, I love when
2: guys look comparatively at cities around the world and uh, yeah. and place Vancouver in that larger global comparative context, structure. Yeah. yeah, context, whatever you For want sure,
1: to. for sure. And super interesting, uh, you know, like for me, one of the biggest takeaways is, one, that of course we're underbuilt, but also this idea of that high density also doesn't mean that you're you're really curbing livability right yeah exactly and we've had people on the on the show in the past that have
2: made that point I mean Nathan Louster, of course has made that point sure uh, recently Larry Beasley uh, the, well, uh, the ar- grand architect of Town, made right. that point
1: well absolutely and Larry Beasley's talking about just careful planning over the years and Vancouverism but this idea that you know you can have an, a highly dense area, that is still incredibly livable with and parks in fact more and green space and more livable, right? And it uh, it gets people outside, it, it gets people walking, it's uh, car for the free, it's better for the environment. Um, so very, very exciting stuff, exciting research. Uh, Matt, what else do we got today? What else do we got? We got our
2: website. Ah, yeah, new right. and improved and exciting uh, with tons of resources. Vancouver Real Estate Podcast.com. We would encourage everyone to go over to the Vancouver Real Estate
1: Podcast.com. Check it out because we have contributors. Basically, writing articles for us on a on a weekly basis, we have every news story that's coming up in Vancouver. It's all there. It's your one stop shop for news in Vancouver, and you get a lot of that news on Real the ground level. News. Real estate news. news, yeah, yeah, We're and it's and it. industry insiders, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but we've also got the resources there, so head over and check out private client services. What exactly is private client services, Matt? If you're not using private client services, you're standing still while the rest of us are power walking by. It is the best resource out there. You get listing updates 36 to 72 hours before public MLS. You get sold prices. You get days on the market. You basically get realtor-level information, and it's free to sign up, so go sign up. You know what? And I should say your catchphrase here about slowly walking is really starting to work. We had... uh Podcast
2: listener, Swansea, get in touch. Uh, I've been in touch with this guy for a long time. He's a fantastic uh,
1: guy, but he, he literally right. said to me, I'm ready to start power walking. Wow. So but it, Unrelated to the apps. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. uh, we, We're hoping you get in great shape, Swansea. Uh, anyways, <laughs> so we, not, we also got that mobile app, we should say very quickly. If yeah. you're not on a
2: desktop, we have a mobile app that is much more user-friendly, Right uh, on-the-go, sold prices, Everything on the market, um, you know, it's just fantastic.
1: So if you're looking for... Augmented reality. Augmented. Maybe we should cut to Brady D here too. what's augmented reality? You point it at a building and it shows you... The listing's in the building, gives you sold prices, uh, days of market. Uh, not not uh, just it, a pretty face. <laughs> no, this guy's got it all. This guy's got it all. He's a full package. Also, we really appreciate all the reviews on iTunes. We're up over 100, I think we're around 135 reviews on iTunes. That helps the podcast grow. We appreciate that. That's the best compliment that you can give us other than getting in touch. So head over to iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts and give us a review. We'd, yeah. we'd love to and, hear from and you. Speaking of getting in touch, uh, give me a call anytime, 778 847 or matt at com, or you can try me at 778-866-4574 or adam at com and brady, brady.
3: Braden. Dukowski at
1: gmail.com and that's Dukowski with a z <laughs> yeah good luck yeah, good luck yeah. spelling that one yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right guys we'll have a great week we'll see you next wednesday take care